this week's edition of Draft House Ditherers, your friendly local podcast where a couple of friends sit down with some brewskis and discuss some really cool ideas. Though I think this week is a bit of a departure for us because uh, only one of us has a brewski. <coughs> Anyways, I'm Ethan. Today I am drinking nothing because it's too late and I don't feel like it. I'm Brian. I'm drinking a Trout Slayer. It's a wheat ale and yeah, whatever. I'm drinking late at night. Who cares? I'm Tiffany and I'm drinking an ice cold natural spring water because I am sick. All right. Now, uh, today's topic... Oh, well, first off, how are you guys doing today? I know, I've been better. I'm a little sick. I don't feel very good. Well, that's that sucks. I have a cat. All right. Well, then, um, today's topic, uh, we're going to have a brief little chat about student loans, um, our generation's, you know, impending doom upon them, <laughs> so on and so forth. So, first off, general opinion, student loans, go. Um, I wish I didn't need them. That's a general opinion. Okay, but what about, like, the existence of them? Oh, I mean, I think it's a good thing. If Without student loans, the higher education would literally be reserved for the wealthy. Um, so, I am lucky enough that I didn't actually have to pay for my college. My mom fronted me the money, and if I got decent grades, she would give me the money back. Or she wouldn't make me pay her back, I guess I should say. Um, so I actually don't have any loans, but we were just actually talking about this the other night. She and I, she's like, I don't understand how people, like, when I was in school, I just, you know, worked and I paid for college and, and my board by myself. I don't I don't understand why everyone has to take out these loans all the time. Uh, not really the world we live in anymore. Did you did you ask her when was the last time she checked with the cost of tuition? At the well, she knows because I just graduated a couple of years ago. She knows that tuition is about 4000 a month. Or four thousand a semester. Sorry, um, not including books and stuff like that. Yeah, one of the cheapest public universities in the entire country. Yeah, and that's the other thing too. Like we're actually kind of, uh, we mostly escape the broader national trend. I will say, um, I'm not saying it's not possible because it is. It's just, I mean, you you can't. It is physically possible to not take out loans, but you will have zero life. Outside, you will have to be at work constantly, and I think your grades would probably suffer as well. I'm just saying that I don't think that it's the option is the same for everyone. I think for some people in some places, you you, you literally can't go for certain majors. Like engineering, I highly doubt you can do engineering at one of these bigger schools that costs more. Yeah. While working. Uh, my mom attended the University of North Dakota as a nursing student and paid for it out of pocket. Yeah. But, I, I mean, that was also back in the 60s, maybe before. Wait, when was she born? Yeah, I was in the 60s. Yeah, that was when you could do that. Yeah, I, ju- I don't think it's possible anymore. Well, <coughs> that sucks. Yep. So, I mean, I think I, and this is a total guesstimation because I didn't bother to look this up before today, but something like the average college graduate today graduates with 65000 in debt. Is that for just like a four-year degree? Yes. Or, oh, that's what a lot. What in the world do you need? If, okay, so say tuition is 4000 a semester. That should still only be like 40000 One, let's consider that our university here is one of the cheapest in the nation. Yeah. And two, let's consider that 4000 a year does not, is doubled when you consider room and board to 8000 a semester. And yeah. that's still some, one of the cheapest in the nation, so... <laughs> Yeah, but, we're, but since we don't know anything else, let's stick to what we know from our university, since that's what we know. Yeah. That's fair. 
I mean, I, I just want to say, like, briefly, I've, I've visited two private law schools recently, and um, both of their yearly tuition was more than it cost to go for your entire education here at UND. So. But. So. I don't know. I just, you know, I feel like this is a big, important topic, and it's worth talking about. And. You know, I don't want to be the doomsayer, but I kind of feel like there's a looming black cloud over our economy in the United States called the student loan bubble. Well, well it is. And regardless of how the loans themselves are structured, just consider the fact that within another... Like Bill Nye. Oh, okay, whatever. I, You're just like, consider this fact. I haven't paid attention to Bill Nye. Go ahead. Think of it... If the majority of the <laughs> trained working population is saddled with $65,000 of debt right out the gate, they're spending the first couple decades of their life not spending money, not buying new cars, not buying houses, not putting money back into the economy. With an aging older population, an expanding you know elderly population, and a younger professional population that can't afford to buy anything besides their loans... The economy is very quickly going to just come to a grinding halt because nobody's spending any money. But on the bright side, uh, when all those old people die and those houses are available, uh, you'll get them for really cheap because no one can afford to buy them and they'll just keep lowering the price. Well, so that sounds like a housing bubble that will come as a secondary effect of the student loan bubble, which is terrifying because it was a housing bubble that caused the greatest recession since the Great Depression. But wasn't that because, though, that banks were giving out loans that they knew those people couldn't pay back? Basically, yeah. I'm just saying if, that, if the price of housing keeps getting lowered, you know, when your debt is paid off, all these houses are going to be super cheap, and then you can buy them for cheap. Well, I'm, I'm, my point is more just that, like, there's a tidal wave effect there. So, like, with the 2008 crisis, because there were so many homes that were being foreclosed on and putting back in the market, everyone's home values went down. Which is why everybody freaked the frick out. And uh, this will be similar to that. There will be so many homes on the market if no one can afford to buy them that everyone's houses are going to go down in value. Here's the thing, though. Houses will always go back up. Eventually. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, you, if you already have a house, then you're in luck. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's if you have a house and you intend to stay in it. But the Well, thing even so, you could stay there at least until... Um, the housing market goes back up. Do you know what I mean? You're better off than the houses being too expensive and you're wasting money paying rent for someplace that you don't own. Right, but you also have to consider that the culture of our, you know, the working culture of our parents is not the working culture of our generation. We're going, we're not going to be professionals right out of the gate. People are going to take three or four careers and move around in that time before finally settling down. So that's Why also... Why is that? I couldn't off the top of my head really think of an answer to that question but i know i just know that's kind of the tr more modern trend as far as professionalism goes which well, means you does know i mean you're talking out your rear end brian it is i have heard it stated by multiple professors multiple times so i will take it at least to have some credibility okay i don't know i just feel like this is an issue that was briefly talked about in our most recent presidential election. Um, it was mostly, the issue was mostly trumpeted by one, you know, Bernie S. Sanders. I don't know if that's his middle name or not. I should go Bernie <laughs> Jerome Sanders. All right. And uh, his opinion was that, like, Europe 
public higher education should be subsidized by the federal government. <clears throat> Here's the other thing, too, is that it's, it's getting to the point that um, your bachelor degree is now the equivalent of a high school diploma back in the day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you, a bachelor's degree is good for nothing these days. You have to go to, you know... To get a, a master's, to get a doctorate, to you have to you have to do something other than just your bachelor's now. Not if you're in my lay uh, STEM majors. Not everyone's wired for a STEM major, though. That's true. I think we talked about that once. We did. <coughs> um, and that sucks because then if it was you know sixty thousand to get your undergraduate, now you have to tack on some more to get even more of an education. In order for that bachelor's degree to even mean anything yes interesting uh unless and now i see there's a big rise in people going into like trade schools and getting you know manual labor degree jobs then that's excellent and i'm glad that it is because we're always going to need plumbers and electricians and car mechanics and all that other stuff and welders and you know trained like surveyors and the like because you know what that's something that i also cannot do like electricity or mechanics or anything like that it entirely escapes me not something that i'm good at so i, cl- I claim Oops. to be good at it but oh my noise it might oh. be on the recording no um i was gonna say I, I claim to be good at mechanical stuff and i can usually fake my way through most of it but for a brief time were you considering becoming a welder i was yes how? Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot here, Brian. You are attending a liberal arts four-year higher education university at this exact moment. Yes. And are you paying for that out of pocket? No. Well, student loans, I don't know. That's not that's not counted out of pocket, I don't think. No, it's not. Yeah. Then so <laughs> that's the choice you made when you decided that uh, your heart was in history and that's what you wanted to you know, work in for the rest of your life. Totally understand. History is cool. Um, how different would your, say, financial future look had you decided to go to a like a welding certification or trade school? Had I gone for welding trade school, it uh, my prospects would certainly be better. But overall, I'm not. I can't say with certainty how it would look. But as far as having a stable job available, yeah. I mean, worst case scenario, I could just go work for my uncle. As a welder, so fair enough. I mean, your your plan is to get your PhD in history so you can teach, right? Uh, either that, or I'm also thinking about doing like a master's in archival studies and getting a double major in library sciences. Becoming, and what would you do with that? Work for a museum or like a archive archival oh. collection. That actually sounds super cool, and I wish I could do that. Speaking of things wish you could do, Ethan graduated from law school last week. Oh, see, I was gonna get, I was gonna get to that. In my patented, you know, in summation speech at the end of, because every time, every time I do my topic, I always do a summation at the end because I'm narcissistic and egotistical, and I think I can solve what? all of world's pro- all you? the world's problems. No but anyways, the reason that I chose this topic this week is because yes, in fact, I just completed my higher education experience. Ethan and, has earned a Juris Doctor, yay! And I'm now looking at a future clouded by student loans. Um. Although I would say my prospects at being out underneath them are much, much better than a lot of people's because I don't have that much. I have enough, but I don't have that much. And uh, You already have a job. And I have a job, and it will pay a lot. 
So I was going to say, you've got a well-paying job right out, you know, right out the gate. That's going to help you with student loans. You didn't take a, what, like a four-year theater degree. Mm, Yes. Also, since we're talking about congratulating people, we can also congratulate me because I was accepted into the doctoral program also. So I will be getting my doctorate in international and intercultural communication. Well, congratulations, Tiffany. Thanks. And more loans. Um, actually, I won't be taking out loans because I will either have a TA position or have a tuition waiver. So oh, there you I go. Don't have to pay. Which yep. Is sweet. That's uh. I'm not looking forward to taking out loans, but. If Ethan has his nice fancy job and I'm also working, probably afford to pay my tuition out of pocket. Probably. If we need to, hopefully that's not the case. Yeah. But that is also unfortunately not a option for many, many students. No, it's not. And graduate school is a little bit easier to get paid for because you knew to it. If you are a graduate TA, generally you get your tuition waived and you also get a small stipend. Now with all the budget cuts they're doing, that might not be the case anymore, but... Um, Normally there I isn't anything like that for an undergraduate. Normally, you can be a TA, but you just get class credit. I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. Normally I wouldn't zoom in on local stuff that much, um, but it seems incredibly pertinent to this issue. Uh, North Dakota is currently undergoing a ridiculous budget crimp, um, and they have basically ordered each state agency to cut 12% of the budget, and that includes the State Board of Higher Education. Now, each university was then passed on this 12% budget cut, which is their way of cutting 12% from the state board's budget. And so the university, the local university, decided that the best way for them to handle this was to just cut 18% out now, and that way it would be much less painful going forward. And uh, what we're enduring as sort of a local community right now is that, um, I don't know, they've cut, what, a dozen sports programs already. Um, they've trimmed programs. They've cut all sorts of auxiliary uh, services and abilities. I know the law school was basically gutted. It is down now to just the pure legal education and basically nothing else. They cut the Indian Studies program. There is literally one teacher now. It's I don't think it's even a program anymore. Hmm. They um, took away the Women's Center. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. They wanted to move it into the union, and a lot of people were like, people who are in the Women's Center are people who have experienced sexual assault, domestic violence. The last place they want to go is into the crowded union. They used to have their own building you know, on campus, but kind of tucked away where you had more privacy there. So that was another big issue that I saw. Um, yep. I mean, they literally took recruits for athletic programs and then told them, ah, just kidding. Yep. <coughs> no scholarship for you. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of a mismanagement, but that's... I don't think it was mismanagement by the university because i think they've been put in a position that they just don't have any choice yeah but it's i feel like they the the administration is probably not taking any kind of hit on their pay though um as far as i know a lot of the administrators at at our university specifically usually hold two spots so like I, i used to know the vice president of academic affairs basically the vice president of the university and he was also a political science professor so like and he wasn't getting paid extra for that position so, um, I don't know how much of the fat there is to trim there at UND. I know at a lot of public universities, and I'm sure that's why you brought this up. There are a ton of those, like, yeah, yeah. I'm the human resources coordinator, or the you know housing human resources coordinator. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. just ridiculous positions that we don't really. Well, need. and the other thing too. Excuse me, one second. <laughs> excuse me. Um, and I, I don't know how their budget is run. I don't know where the money goes, but I do know that, that we've started playing um, some athletes to come and play at our university. 
uh, look here, friendos, you come to college to get an education. Like, yeah, sports, I think it's a valid part of college. I think it's fun to go to a hockey game or, you know, a football game on the weekends. I think that's all fine, well, and good. And if you can get a scholarship and you get to come here, that's great. But you're getting a scholarship. You're already, they're already paying for your room and your board and your books and everything is your tuition. Everything is free. And now they're going to pay you a stipend on top of that. Like, where's that money coming from? From I assume it's coming from the athletics budget, which usually is a moneymaker, not a, but I think the reason the university is doing that is because they expect that the NCAA is actually going to require that soon. And I think that's ridiculous. You shouldn't get paid to play a college sport. No, to me, that sounds like professional sports. That's exactly what it is. So I don't think they can call it the, you know, association of college amateurs anymore. I don't know. I, I think that's ridiculous. You're like, like I said, if you want to play a sport in college, I think that's great. I think it's good for your body to keep moving. You know, camaraderie and study buddies and all that crap. But you are there. Your primary like reason for going to college is to get an education. So uh, I don't think you should be being paid to come to your university to play sports. This is entirely tangential, but now, now this is very interesting. and I want to bring this up. How would you two feel if I told you that in many states, especially southern states, the highest paid state employees are the football head coaches at uh, universities. That doesn't somewhere in the area me. of seven that to nine million a year. Me. I know football's really big in the south. Yeah, I was say that doesn't really seem to surprise me at all. They get paid more than professional head coaches do. That's really stupid. Why is that? Strong. I'm imagining strong local ties to the university means there's a lot of boosters, boosters, and support <laughs> for that kind of policy because the team is everything to a local community it's yeah. the, it's modern tribalism so go local sports team well look i mean okay so our hockey players quite a few of them have made it to the nhl but like how many of our football players have made it it's usually one every couple of years one every couple of years yeah and we're paying all of you to come here and play so we're, we're paying football too now, i right? thought it was just hockey is it that just I hockey saw. okay i thought but i thought someone have, told me they were also playing it might have football. changed i might be wrong yeah I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a lot easier to get people to give money for uh, a university when you can say, look at our awesome sports team. That sports are a thing you love and enjoy taking part in. So for some reason, it's really hard to get money out of people for, buy us a new library. No, here's the other thing, too. Uh, good luck getting any donations from current alumni in the last, like, 10 years who are busy paying off all their student loans. Who's going to, who's going to give you money? Nobody. And there's a lot of people like my mom who we weren't even, we weren't even in sports. I was a cheerleader for a couple of years, but we weren't even in sports and you know, they're cutting all these teams. And I think someone called her and said, Hey, would you like to give up a donation? My mom's like, Hey, reinstate the women's hockey team and then call me back. And sure. I'd be happy to give you a donation <laughs> because people will say that's not the case, but it is a little bit sexist that they cut the women's hockey team, but not the men's hockey team. Now I understand why that is. The women's hockey games are free. Men's hockey games, you have to pay like 40 bucks a ticket. So I understand that the men's hockey is making more money. But we had uh, women from our hockey team were on the Olympic hockey team. Yeah. Um, and it is kind of sexist that you're taking that opportunity away from the women, but not the men to play hockey. I wonder if anyone's talked about the Title IX implications of all these sports programs they're cutting. Um, I'm sure they've considered it. I just wonder how well they've considered it you're not required to offer the same sports for both you know um i'm not saying you're required to but do you understand that you're taking 
you're not having an equal opportunity for men and women to play. But what I was going to say is that they are generally required to offer the same number of scholarships for both. So I wonder how carefully they've managed that. I don't know. So interesting because they cut men's baseball. They cut the entire golf team swim team, and the swim team and women's hockey. So it is probably about equal then. I mean, I can see a justification for cutting a golf team. I don't think a university. Well, our golf team was terrible, and they didn't have very. But many they, cut, they cut the baseball program after they just had like a winning season. Yeah. Of whatever. Yeah. Whatever the. Yeah, that World I remember. Series of college baseball is what is that? Well, I don't know. I don't think they were in the <clears throat> playoffs or anything, but I do remember they had a winning season finally, and then they were just like, "Yeah, just, <laughs> just kidding." kidding I'm gonna say trim the bad teams. That's fine, but or like the sports nobody goes nobody to gives or cares a rip about, about, like golf. And then yeah, who goes to spectate I, on golf? Here's the thing I will tell you is people will say the same thing about women's hockey, but you know what? I went to several women's hockey games. First of all, a bunch of those girls were in my classes. They were really nice girls. And second of all, uh, I mean, hockey is hockey, man. I don't really care. Yeah. The gender of who's playing. It's still hockey. I love to watch hockey my, my, and I would go with my friends on the weekends because also the games were free. My only issue with women's hockey was that they, um, you know, forced different rule sets on them, which bothers me. Yeah. I don't like that either. Personally. Like they don't allow body checking in women's hockey. Oh, to, to, so. Does poor old spectators not want to see girls getting hurt? Apparently. I mean, that for years was the reason there was no women's divisions in the UFC, too. They thought no one would want to see women get punched. It oh just, it's the greatest, though. A, a good fight's a good fight. I don't right? care who's fighting it. And honestly, I'm pretty sure the girls might actually get more mad than the guys. Yeah. Like, uh, I've, I've seen them get mad, but like I said, that's my one of my favorite parts of hockey is watching them fight. I don't care if the guy or girl. I, I still want to see I'm pretty sure fight. if there was a good enough financial reward on the line, Brian and I could go in the ring and, like, duke it out for a while oh, and God, still be cool Yeah, We're not even close to the same weight class, but... Nope. <laughs> well, let's say they give you a bigger financial incentive than me, then. <laughs> I just got to avoid getting grabbed. I think I can, I think I can hold out, then. But, All right. I don't know. This so is gone. Make some extra money this summer and have like an underground fight club. You two are gonna go at it. Hell yeah, let's do it. First rule. Sorry. Anyway. I don't know. I, I can't think of where to go from here because we went way <laughs> off topic. Yes, well, we did. So what? What does the future look like? Um. So you think we should make it so education is free? What about so? Say in the next like five ten years, they make. Higher education, free. Yep. Undergraduate degrees, free. Sure. What about all those people that already have those That's loans? what I was just about to bring up. <laughs> well, you said you didn't know where to go. That was so the idea that popped in, in my head right after. Say, it'd it. be, well, I got there first. One idea is just Amnesty. all federal loans are just forgiven for undergraduate degrees. Which Does is a, that like screw the economy over really heavily, though? It screws not, the federal government not over. Not really. I mean, let's that. be honest. <laughs> Like, can are, you do that with this administration? Because I'm really not that invested. I don't think this is the sort of administration that is Let, willing let's to be forgive honest. debt. Let's be honest what? here. Our, this administration doesn't want to help people? What? Sorry. You were busy mocking. Go ahead. Oh. Okay. I, I can talk. All right. Um, <laughs> um, uh. I don't think our government is going to notice a few billion missing because I don't know if you've looked at the deficit lately, but it's not it's not good. I think it's trillions. Yeah, it's probably closer to whatever four is quadrillions. I don't know. Oh, let's find out. National debt. But I mean, student loan forgiveness would tremendously would would alleviate a lot of pressure on the economy. 
There'd be a lot of people now that don't have to worry about paying that debt. Suddenly, all this money they've been saving up, they can spend on other things. That goes straight into the economy and boosts it. The more money that is, you know, that the consumer is paying into the economy means the more money the economy has. The more money people will make. I feel like there has to be some kind of limit, though. Like, if you have, like, an aviation student who has $150,000 in debt, they get forgiven the same as someone who just has, like, 40000 in debt. And that's kind of the next issue there is people are going to be upset because, well, I shouldn't have taken out more loans then. I don't know. And, like, what about people, like, I have a friend who, she has over 100000 in loans, but she admits it's because she took way, out way more than she needed to and, you know, just blew the money on stupid shit. So what if... Remember, I think I said, what was it? The average was 65000 mm-hmm. What if they just said every single person gets a $65,000 forgiveness credit? I think that would work. That would work. That means everybody who has $65,000 or less for their one degree is gone and done with. And then that person who's you know a career student constantly taking out loans, it helps. Because, um, I mean, even if you have 100000 if someone just magically paid off 65000 that's still a huge help. So I think just think about purely how much interest that's going to save you in the long run, you know? Um, but, I mean, there's going to be people that will say it's not fair. I paid my loans off on time, and now I'm getting hosed because I've paid my loans. I mean, that, that's an, when, when a system changes, that's always an argument people make. But at some point, the system has to change. If we don't change it, somebody's always going to be... You know, there's always going to be somebody getting hurt. But, but like, you paid off your loans. Congratulations. Maybe, maybe, maybe we just make that sixty-five available to everybody then. No, because that's a who had gone through higher ed. That's ridiculous. Okay, yeah, it's a little much. But thirty I, for people who don't. I'm have? thinking instead for all those people who paid off student loans in full. There, maybe there's <coughs> a tax break for them. Instead, but now we're talking about racking up an outrageous amount of money to put on the federal government. <laughs> Though I will argue, this is not going to be that different from what was it, three point one trillion in TARP benefits we gave to banks to because they were too big to fail. I was going to say, and this would be a recession. lot more helpful and probably a lot more public support for it than giving money away to banks. Here's what I don't understand. So, say you're the college education is free by the time you have paid off your student loans. Are you going to be salty? Because me, no. No, because here's the thing. I live in society. I would like for it to progress. You know how it progresses? Not shoveling in more and more debt because uh, the cost of living and the cost of education goes up and up and up and up. So, you know, it's something has to be done. And maybe for five seconds, you have to stop thinking about yourself of, I had to pay my loans back. S- sucks to suck, I guess. Just don't make everything miserable for everyone else because you suffered a little bit. And I think... This is the core problem in American politics is that there's two types of person when it comes to the government. There is what can I do for my country and then there's what can my country do for me. And I think there's a lot of people who choose not to think beyond themselves and, you know, I can't really shame them for that. There's nothing wrong with caring about yourself and your family. It is a problem when you only care about yourself and your family. You should care at least minimally about the rest of the world because you live in this world and if you don't want to care about people in this world go live someplace else maybe on an island by yourself maybe a different planet i, I believe they're trying to build a wall actually <laughs> well can they be built inside of the wall or just cement them well, that's in there? what they're doing i think the biggest problem with that particular mindset is a lot of times the short-term loss is a long-term gain and nobody ever seems to well yeah i mean human beings manner. suck it really really suck at understanding you know 
short-term cost for long-term benefit. Yeah. Like, we are unbelievably bad at that. We would like in some instant gratification. You know, um, that's the same problem that a lot of large corporations are running into now, is because the people who are in charge of corporations are given a fiduciary duty to maximize profits for the shareholders. And what 99% of them do is say, that means I have to maximize every quarter's profits. When you see outrageously successful companies, say Google, who are just like, screw this quarter, we're in the you know, 10, 20, 30, 100 year game right now. I was going to say, when you have one bad quarter, that's fine, but usually those large companies are on a steady upward trend, even if they have bad quarters. <laughs> it's the companies that have, you know, eight great quarters in a row, and suddenly they just drop into oblivion. Well, because it's, of, you, know, you know, a combination of cheapening your product because you can sell it for more or you can make it for less. Craftsman. <laughs> that's that's a, so true, though. Yes. I mean, that's a lot of those Sears brands. Yeah. I mean, Sears in general has just gone... Far down the tubes. Well, I think I heard somebody describe it as it's now just a showroom where you go look at the product and then order it online. Oh. Well, and I, I, a lot of those product lines, uh, I think Kenmore Appliances also were like the backbone of what it meant to be middle class America. You know, because I remember my grandma had all that crap. Yep. Kenmore, Craftsman in the Garage, yep. you know. Same. And now it's all garbage because the people running those companies sucked. Well, it, it, and this is, I mean, a little off topic, but it, it's a whole corporate America is I'm going to give you the crappiest product I can possibly give you that you'll still buy and make the most amount of profit rather than making a decent profit with like a decent product. You know what I mean? It has to be the most possible money. You have to have the biggest car, the biggest house, the second, you know, biggest house on the lake too. You know what I mean? Well, it always has to be bigger and better. You can't just be happy with what you have. That's the... That's the motiv- American way. That's man. the top motivation of capitalism, though. You want the biggest profit at the least cost. And now the the part of the blame can be placed on consumers. Consumers just want quantity over quality. Like I, when I buy things, I tend to spend a little higher and look for something that's going to last. Yeah. Most absolutely. people are like, "That's cheap. I'll buy that. I'll use that." You know, the buying. What is that's it? Actually, not what our social science suggests. Our social science suggests that people tend to buy the most expensive option because they assume that it is the higher quality. Oh, that's also. Completely false. It, there's a middle ground in there that you want to try and hit, but that's yeah, that's where I like to live. It's kind of the you know the idea that you know if you buy Walmart shoes, you're going to be replacing them every two months, you know, or you can buy a nice pair of shoes and replace them every two years. Ryan, how much did you pay for your shoes? Um, mine were about three hundred dollars. I have never spent three hundred dollars on a pair of shoes, and I am a chick. Never in my life. I think the most I spent was probably like seventy, eighty dollars for my running shoes. These shoes ha- are barely showing anywhere after like a year, though. So I'm not gonna lie. I bought some Nikes for work, and uh, I bought them in November, maybe, and they're already falling apart. I was gonna say these. I've been wearing these boots daily for almost a year now, and uh, except for a, a bit of wear on the heels, they haven't shown any wear other than the being covered in crap from work. You also don't do that much. You supervise. It's not a lot of walking. A little bit, not that much. I mean. Have you ever tracked how much you walk in a shift? No, I haven't. Because for oh, me, it's give me my Fitbit one day. Because for me, it's somewhere between eight to twelve miles. So, regardless of how much I walk oh, on a, sorry, on we a off shift, topic? My bad. <laughs> maybe a little bit. <laughs> I'm just. I just think. So, so, how do we reach out to people like that who don't want, who are going to say it's unfair, or that you know. 
it's it's I, I, it's causing me a loss and giving others a gain because this is not the sort of thing that you can just do. Well, you just wait until a majority of the population has a gain, and then we say tough <laughs> shit to the rest of you. Majority rule, democracy. That, that's kind of what I was gonna say. Is reminds me of democracy, lady. Ha! Huh. There was this lady one time, and long story short, uh, she was smoking in our bathroom, and it's against our state law to smoke in a public building. And she got all up in Brian's face about how like people didn't vote for that law. And he's like, actually, most people did vote. That's how that's how democracy works. And she goes, democracy sucks and stomped out. And we were laughing about it for the rest of the day. It's quite a, possibly the funniest thing that's ever happened at that work. for the rest of my life. Yeah, yes. I had a hell of a time not just smiling, <laughs> standing there, just how ridiculous the conversation was. Like, really? Oh, that was hilarious. Brian, she likes to have her cup of coffee with her cigarette. In the bathroom. In the bathroom, because it's cold outside. Uh, Do you not understand? She, she was a scrawny, scratchy voice, blue-haired old lady. She's like the definition of everything I hate about old people. <laughs> whoa, Brian, whoa. That could be part of our audience. You don't know. I don't hate all old people. There's that particular type of person when they get old, they get hateful and crotchety. Brian, you're hateful and crotchety and you're not even old. I'm crotchety. I'm not hateful. So. Back to democracy. Yeah, I would say that uh, we're not going to screw everybody over until the end of time because you're selfish. Like, I'm sorry that you've had to pay your student loans. Uh, I guess that sucks. Tough. Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious that something has to change. I mean, this system, if it, if we leave it unchecked and let it continue, is literally going to destroy the American middle, middle class as we know it. I mean, that might be the okay. that might be the uh, the goal. You know, you think you think that's an intentional thing? Uh, I don't think it was originally intentional, but I think there might be people in power who see it as a benefit. What? That's getting a little okay. So conspiracy ish, but. No, let's get into that because, like I said, I didn't prepare for this particular session whatsoever. Oh, I'll uh, say I, I have something else to go to. But so, what, do you think that those types of people, those incredibly rich and powerful people with the ability to shape society to their wants and desires, do you think that they completely fail to realize that a to turn their own favorite expression back on them, a rising tide lifts all boats? I. I've mentioned it previously in other podcasts. I think it's it's this conservative, conservative with a little c response to just the general liberal trend of society. They see a rising middle class. This throughout the entire middle of the you know the latter half of the twentieth century, the middle class is gaining in power, gaining in influence, and it's becoming easier and easier to break into the top. And they see this as a threat on their power, or a threat on their traditional worldview, and they respond against it. And they, they'll take whatever they can that is a benefit to them to stop that from happening. It's not, it's not you know, mustache-twirling evil intent. It's <laughs> selfishness. Selfishness of the powerful that want to stay powerful. You ever heard of the estate tax? I have, yes. You ever notice that it occasionally becomes a political issue? Yes. Do you know anything about it? Not really. Well, I think I can tell you one thing that will let you know just how absurd the idea that this is a political issue is. The estate tax, it's a tax that applies upon the passing of an estate from one person to his heirs. And uh, it, do it does not apply until after the estate is valued at more than $5 million. $5 million. Yep. 
and this is somehow a political issue that is like a key part of a party. Now, I remember this being a much bigger deal earlier in the 2000s. Now yeah. I don't think people talk about yeah. it very much. I, I also would like, I think there, there's also like a lifetime gift giving limit on tax breaks, yeah. which is like several million dollars, which I think is also excluded from the estate's tax limit or whatever. There's Yeah, there's a lot of So, stuff. you know, I think a person can get away with like passing off as much as $10 million to somebody else tax-free. If you have $10 million to give away, everything else being taxed should not be an issue to you. But. Well, and that's just a, it's the intent of that part of our tax code to prevent dynasty building. Because as much as we in America believe that you deserve the fruits of your labors and that everyone should, you know, aspire to work hard and create, (laughs) you know, an empire for themselves. We also believe that that shouldn't mean that your entire family is elevated into pseudo royalty, you know, but, and yet yeah. it does. I mean, that's, I think that's, I, and I disagree with that. I think that if you had two hardworking parents, say, say I get my PhD and, and I'm a college professor and you're a lawyer and we build up a bunch of money and want to pass it on to our kids. Uh, we had to work really hard, especially you, because you came from a pretty poor family to begin with. Uh, that's garbage that our kids can't just, you know, keep rising. That's, so, like, that's what's crap. what's a lot of money in that scenario? What do you mean? Well, that's my point. Like, we just pointed out that $10 million you can pass on tax-free. If a, if I don't a, think that's right, though. If a person can't make it on $10 million, that person does not ma- well, was not you, meant to. You can only, you but can here's only... the thing. How many, it depends on how many kids you have. It gets split up and things like that. Well, it's the gift-giving limit. It's based on you, not, not yeah. On it's based people. on you, not on the people, and then the estate tax. So, so basically, my point is, you can give roughly nine million dollars if you're planning very far ahead, right? So that would have to be split up amongst your heirs, right? But all I'm saying is, and we're not. It's not that the you know that tenth million gets snatched by the government. I I think the current tax rate on that is thirty five percent. After that. It is a lot, but it's also 35%. So basically, though, they're just taking that money because you you have too much? Yeah. That's not fair, personally. Because I don't think they're giving it and redistributing it to you know social programs. They're probably just taking it just to take it. Well, it just goes back into the general budget. But... I was going to say, the government just spends it on what yeah, government spends thing, money if on. If we, you know, say, by some magic, make like $100 million, and they're going to take 35% of that, you better be using that to help people who are poor and starving. And not use it to whatever the hell you feel like using it. You know what I mean? If you have to take that money, fine. But you better be doing something good with it. I mean, like, I want to know where it's going to go. That is kind of the intent of taxes. Unfortunately, the, you know... They're being misappropriated. Well, the industrial military complex is kind of overemphasized by the government. <coughs> but... And then, you know, with the recent administration... The, the other argument beyond just preventing, you know, giant dynastic families is that even in your the case of your hard work, determination, and grit you still would not have been able to build that kind of fortune without the assistance of the economy and the society that the United States provides for you. So, I personally don't have an issue with it. But. I do. I, to me, it's just on principle. Just like I don't think that like when your parent dies and, and you inherit their stuff that you have to pay taxes, they already pay taxes on that income, they had to pay taxes on any interest, and now you have to pay taxes on it. That was already their money. I don't think that's fair. But that's just me. I don't know. So here, here is. Do you have something else to go on? Nope. That, okay. So the other thing, Ethan and I, one time we were coming back from, I want to say it was Baxter, Minnesota, and we were having a discussion, and it was one that I got like passionately angry about 
And it was the idea of having a living wage. Do you want to explain what it is? Universal basic income. Yep. Uh, basically, uh, the government gets rid of all of its social programs, including Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, um, any sort of food stamp benefits, and instead just pays every citizen whatever it determines to be the bare minimum to live a life. To not die. And yeah. that includes like standard housing. Well, it, it like includes efficiency housing. I was going to say, you can like maybe, you know, three, four hundred a month for a closet. Literally, you have a roof over your head with running water. Yep. And I think that that's garbage. And here is why. Because I assume that everything else, the cost of everything else would have to go up. And then, so we already live in a house that I own. The house is paid off. It was a gift. So we own this house, right? Yep. So maybe now the cost of living in this house is going to be too high. um, Because the wages are going to go down. I don't remember exactly. Please explain to me how we got to that conclusion that like some people now wouldn't be able to afford to live in their houses because their wages wouldn't be enough. If everybody is making a basic minimum wage, mm-hmm. the I think the capitalist incentive would be suddenly there's more money available in the economy. This means that um, the supply side is is favored because more pe- there's going to be more demand, so they can up their prices. Okay. So just generally, prices of everything would go up a little bit. Um, to, in my mind, I feel like in order to offset that, you also have to live in a reasonably more socialist society than what we live in. Like, you know, you're, I think a very important part of that is that this society would have to have a universal healthcare system before you even start, because otherwise that's where all that money is going to go. I was going to say, I mean, you'd have to have universal healthcare. You'd probably have to, you know. Have it more, um, utilities would have to be more standardized, at least, if not just publicly owned outright. You know, even ISPs might have to become publicly owned in order for these things to work. Because that's kind of what you need. You need, you need healthcare. You need to pay your utilities. You need running water. You need electricity. And I would argue in this day and age, you need internet. You can't really do without internet in this day and age. And if you're going to go with a basic living wage, I feel like those three things at the very least would have to be either heavily regulated by the government as to not become abusive, or they would have to be publicly owned. And that's just not a thing that will happen in the United States anytime soon. Because why would they do that when they could keep making money? Like, mm-hmm. if, if all that stuff is government subsidized, then people who, like, own the apartments, people who, you know, the, the electric companies or the utilities... Those companies are now making less money because it's being regulated by the government and it can't be jacked up to whatever they feel like charging you. The thing is, there was a time in the United States when we very, got very close to instituting some form of socialism in the country. <coughs> we, you know, our, we have a state bank and a state elevator. The nonpartisan league was working on it, but unfortunately it was run by a con man and, you know, we the Bolshevik re- revolution happened and suddenly Red Scare. Yeah. I, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, this is just a sort of related thought. Under Eisenhower's administration at that time, the top tax rate was 55% in the United States. No, I, I'm not sure. I can look it up. But today it's 18. Yeah, see, that's too low. Honestly, I just feel like if Americans could get the hell over themselves and we could just raise taxes by a few percent... Things could get a lot better. Absolutely, but... That's the I same mean, problem we just discussed. You yeah. Know, short-term cost, long-term gain. I don't know. 
Because you have the people who come from fabulously wealthy house- households that they're like, I don't care if the poor don't have health care. I have health care, and even if I didn't, I have enough cash to cover it. So, you know, it doesn't really matter. Why don't they just work harder? And so why don't they just decide like not to be poor? that scene in The Emperor's New Groove, she, she's like, and you want money for food. She's like, maybe you should have thought of that before becoming poor that you wanted to, uh, what was it? Food? Yeah, food. You should have thought of that before you decided to be poor. Like, <laughs> it's, it's ugh, frustrating. Bootstraps. Oh, I hate that analogy. <laughs> Especially because it's been so horribly misappropriated. It's... It means the opposite of what you're using it to mean. Now, this is a horribly off-color joke, but I recently read this is entirely in jest, but that uh, that's what Paul Ryan's wife says to him to get him excited in bed. Oh, God. That's <laughs> 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 oh, good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, I highly recommend that everyone reads Ayn Rand and then uh, spends a lot of time thinking about why all of her ideas are fucked freaking terrible um she also you know spent most of her life on government assistance and so you know also just for funsies let's read what governor mike huckabee tweeted today cnn now stands for cardiac care network because their people are having heart attacks over trump doing what dems once demanded fire call me hold on cnn yes cardiac care network yeah uh okay (laughs) Somebody needs to learn their alphabet again. <coughs> I mean, it's Mike Huckabee. He probably doesn't know how to read. <laughs> Dictated to an intern. Yep. Good job, idiot. Oh, God. I mean, yeah. There you go. America. America! <laughs> Who voted for that idiot? Mike Huckabee? I don't know. He hasn't been in office for years. Oh, it still says Governor Mike Huckabee. Why, why Former does, governor oh, of Arkansas. Well, that makes sense. Why do so many people vote for idiots? I don't know. Because Look McGunn's. Look at our current president. Because McGunn's That's and my abortion. I, I'm not even going to touch like the, the current <laughs> federal administration. That's just a fluke. I don't even understand. But yeah, even at I a local level. I do feel level, like we should talk about it someday. We, we do have to, but let's let it gestate a little longer. Let's wait and see what happens. I mean, it's not getting any better. It just keeps getting worse. I know. I just kind of feel like if we wait too long, all of a sudden we'll be living in, you know... Uh, well, then then we're... You know, then we'll, we be, go, we'll be comrades wet, comrades east. Well, then we know? go underground and we're part of the resistance. There you go. Viva la resistance. No, no. That's the wrong reference. The reference in that case is... Wolverines! Yep. All right. right the original movie is way better than the remake, by the way. But it's got Chris Hemsworth. In yeah, it. no, but the original is still way better. Red, okay. The movie's called Red Dawn. Okay. They remade it. Although I think in the remake, the Chinese are the ones who are North Koreans. North Koreans. It was going to be the Chinese, yeah. and then they changed it because they're like, eh, the Chinese might get upset. They might watch our movie. Yeah, it's also, like North Korea wasn't going to get upset. Well, we who don't cares? Care. They're not a market. <laughs> We're not marketing to them, but the Chinese might watch the movie. So I say that China is actually almost a bigger movie market now than Hollywood is. Is that the only hope for our second WoW movie or no? Warcraft they're making movie? it. They're making it. I mean, I that, had that's no why... idea what was going on that entire movie. They it was so confused. I feel like a director's cut might do it justice, but it, the the theatrical release did leave a lot out that was important. I felt. Yeah, I felt like it was terribly rushed. I think there was a lot of meddling in that movie. Yep. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Because they, they didn't go through any effort to differentiate the characters to like let you know who they were or why they were important. They just said their names and moved on. Pretty much. Like, they don't tell you that 
like the main badass in the movie. Um, which character is he from Vikings? Um, I forget his name in Vikings, but he's the main character. Oh, he's, uh, I don't know. Oh, he, no, he, Ragnar Lothbrok. Ragnar. That's okay. who he plays in the Vikings. Right. So, like, they don't tell you, like, oh, yeah, that's the guy who basically was the general of all of Stormwind's armies, you know. But since they've been at peace for 16 years, he's basically unemployed now. I was going to say, they don't make him feel like a general or Not a commander or have yeah. any authority. He's just an adventurer, essentially. The Guardian? What's that? Yeah. I don't think most WoW fans can explain to you properly what the Guardian is. And they expected us to just take it on face value in the movie. I don't know. Whatever. Capitalism sucks. Communism sucks. Socialism sucks. Authoritarianism sucks. Feudalism sucks. What other types of governments are there? Right? Anarchy. Anarchy sucks. No. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, Like I said, I have a problem with people just being so self-centered that you can't see past that. You live in a society and, you know. Yeah. Welcome to the human condition. Okay, and on that note. <laughs> what a lovely note to end on. Uh, so what what did we all discuss today? I don't know. A lot of stuff. Uh, student loans. Student loans. We're all doomed and we should all just hang our heads in shame. Try this whole thing over again in two years. And on that lovely note, um, next week's topic is actually going to be apocalyptic scenarios. So Yay! Well-timed. Do any of them involve a giant tangerine, uh, you know, destroying the, the countryside? I don't know. It could. I figured next week we'd each discuss, you know, which apocalyptic scenario in popular culture we each like the most. Discuss maybe, you know. Like the most? Is that a good way to? Uh, maybe not like the most, but find the most entertaining. Fair enough. You know, and then maybe discuss what actual apocalyptic scenarios might be possible and discuss how we are all survivors of the apocalypse of 2012. Can I call a dibs on zombies? Yes. 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 That's not my preferred apocalyptic scenario. Um, anyway. That is my preferred apocalyptic nope. scenario. Ooh, I can't speak English today, guys. Ooh. I might go Oryx and Crake and choose a, you know, virus or something That's like fine. that. I like the nuclear option. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I'd like to say first a quick thanks to Audacity and Soundation Studios, uh, who allowed Tiffany to create our lovely theme song. And uh, Audacity for allowing us to record these podcasts for free. Those are both um, free. Um, I can't remember the word for it. Open, open source. source software. Thank you. I just took my intellectual properties final. That's pretty sad. Um, and you can find us at iTunes, Google, and Stitcher. And uh, that's it for the week. See you next time.